Hello and welcome to Seen Them Given, the show that looks at the laws of the game and the referees who enforce them. This week, is there such a thing as a 50-50 challenge anymore? A question Wolves fans may be asking themselves at the moment. Lots of issues around time and timing this week, including lengthy stoppages or protests of one sort and another. But even without them, are fans getting value for money? Plus, Premier League pitches will say goodbye soon to Mike Dean. We'll take a look at his contribution to the game. I'm Mike McCarthy, broadcaster and football journalist. With me as always, former FIFA referee, ex-head of the PGMOL Keith Hackett. Uh, Keith, a bit under the weather at the moment, but thanks very much for being with us. Of course, as ex-head of the PGMOL, that means you were Mike Dean's boss. What was he like to uh, be the boss of? Well, uh, I think generally he was a good referee. Uh, What you've got to recognise is that you know, when he was under that role at that particular time, he, he was sacrificing his career as a chicken plucker with a very low salary, I think below 15000 a year, to enable him to get to football games and not have any conflict. Um, and when I sort of sat opposite him and said, right, you're going to earn forty three grand, we're going to give you a laptop, we're going to give you a mobile phone, we're going to give you a couple of grand for gym fees, all those sort of things, it, it was like manna from heaven. And, <laughs> and in fairness, I mean, he was a referee that worked like most of them at the time. They were competitive. Uh, they worked extremely hard. Um, he sort of, that, that group that I managed, were in really three groups. And I can remember Mike being distinctly close to people like Graham Paul and Graham Barber and Rob Stiles. Um, and I think, he, I think he learned quite a lot of, uh, how to deal with games from them, but he's always been his own man. Uh, if, mm. if you know, and he's been a strong referee. So if there was a big game in my era, and we need a fire engine, if you like, a, to pour water on things and to keep control, then Mike Dean was a good referee to having the list. I mean, he's well known, isn't he, for his personality? That's the first thing fans will will say about Mike Dean. He, he leaves his mark on a game in terms of his expressions, which are often brilliant. and yeah. you know, it's, it's a, yeah. I mean, pantomime is probably the wrong word, but he, he sells what he's doing uh, to players in the crowd. How much of that is is necessary to, to refereeing? And uh, I mean, I guess you wouldn't want every referee to be like Mike Dean, but at the same time, you want that around in the league, don't you? I think he's probably going to be the last one. Uh, I think... The one thing about Mike Dean is he's not a manufactured referee. He's, he's got his own strong personality. Uh, if you wanted him to take a specific line, he, he, he would still stick to his own core values. We've had many discussions about could he reduce the average number of yellow cards uh, because he, you know, it, it was always in the four fives per game. And you thought with a bit more proactive management, he might reduce that. Uh, but then when you look to these yellow cards and these red cards that came with them, very rarely could you actually uh, criticise them in law. So his knowledge of law was good. His application of law was good. He put in a great deal of effort physically. I mean, in terms of his training, he enjoyed training. He had plenty of banter uh, when, when the guys were training. In the meetings, he was not as boisterous because he was in that group where Paul dominated mm. and Paul always wanted to get his message across. Uh, but, but generally, a, a very good member of, of the team. I think um, 
if the view is that they're going to move him across to VAR on a permanent role, I think that should be a good one, providing the young referees are not that are going to come on. Hopefully, are not fearful of him that they they see him as someone who's an aid to getting the decisions right. But but you know we've had many decisions and discussions about how VAR should operate. You know, until we get to a situation where a referee can actually say, no, thanks very much, I'm staying with what I've seen and what I've given, then we'll always have this view that the, the guy who's refereeing the football match is the guy at Stockley Park and not the one in the middle. Yeah, and well, we'll, we'll get on to um, VAR and interventions a little bit later because uh, we can talk about Alan's red card in the Everton-Newcastle game and uh, the influence of Stuart Atwell there because that's an interesting one. Just on Mike Dean, though, uh, yes. himself and and you know his progression through the game, I mean, did his personality stick out to you? Is that, is that one of the reasons that he's got as far as he has within the game? Not Obviously, he's, you've got to make the right calls when you're yeah, at I, the elite I, level, but... Yeah. I, I, I think he got to where he is and has retained that position for 20-odd years because of the quality of his officiating. Take away the personality bit and all the things that he does aside, his core decision-making is was always solid. Very rarely could you criticise and say, well, you got that one wrong. So I think in, in that case, that's how he established his position in the Football League and was very quickly promoted onto the Premier League and has, has been a loyal servant. And, um, you know, the, the times many when I've seen written reports from the assessor when we had them and through the match delegate and even managers coming on and saying, look, we, we were delighted with his performance. He's got this strong personality that does, but that's his passion, you know, coming through. So for me, I, I think he, you know, I didn't want, uh, 20 sort of people with zero personality. I wanted people with personality that had a view. And, and you know, uh, Dean and Halsey and Paul and others had had their own individual views. But the mix of that was when you had debate and discussion and they all wanted to say something, invariably we came to a view about how we would approach in future decision-making uh, in terms of various incidents that had taken on the place on the field. So we, all, we were always reviewing. There were two things that in, in my period that were quite difficult for him. He was appointed to the FA Cup final. It was be, before the semi-finals. It was most unusual for a referee. Normally, they're appointed immediately after the semi-finals. And, uh, of course, in that four teams that were playing in the semis was Liverpool, and Mike was the Wirral. And at that time, you wouldn't have the scenarios that we have now, like, you know, Anthony Taylor operating in Altrincham refereeing Manchester. In fact, we were always in county arrangements. So, you know, if if I was Yorkshire, rarely would I get Leeds. Hmm. But but it did happen on occasions. But this, this was when Liverpool got to the final, uh, and Mike had already been informed by the FA that he was going to be the FA final referee. Then there was a huge amount of debate after the, after the Liverpool had secured their position, out of which then the FA made the appointment, uh, rescinded and said, right, Mike, we're, we're taking off the game. Um, his reaction to that must have been one of massive disappointment to him and his family 
But his reaction was, I'm going to come back and I'll show you. And I think two years later, that was 2006, I think 2008, he, he officiated the final. So he did, he did come back. The other time was when I had to, or the PGMOL, had, and I was the boss, we had to suspend him uh, for a period of time because uh, we'd, we'd automatically put in a fact of a, a ban on, ref, on, on betting worldwide on football. And, and also, we owned the image of the referee. The Premier League was very keen that it, there was no uh, issues regarding image and image rights. And so they had to sign that over to us in the contract. And we got a call, I got a call from a national newspaper saying, look, Mike, Mike Dean's involved in betting. We took that seriously. We called him in, we suspended him immediately pending investigation. And we investigated that thoroughly. The outcome was that Mike, in fact, who I think likes horse racing, had decided to take one of these opportunities of joining a racing club and being the lead member and then dividing a horse into various parts and, mm -hmm. and have a group. But the problem was that he'd used the, his Premier League, Premier League referee to boost the membership. That's how it was seen. And on the website that was produced by the horse race board, so it was all legitimate and very clear and open, there was a link to, you know, betting. And Mike was investigated. There was, he was found not guilty correctly. But because he'd used his image rights without permission, he served a period of suspension. And um, again, uh, you know, there was no malice or grudge. He just came back and kicked off straight away glad to be back referee yeah so so mike dean is is one of the referees then that's going to retire from well the play you know being on the pitch at the end of the season um are there other premier league referees who who might be considering following him in the summer i generally believe that the, that if you read not just what i write but what other people are saying as well they question the standard of officiating in the premier league currently you know mike uh, it you have to be athletic and you've got to be able to cover the ground. And if you're not in the right position, you're going to make errors. So for me, I think that, you know, we've got Atkinson, Mariner, Scott, John Moss. They've all been good servants to the Premier League, but are 50 plus now. And therefore, I think that the PGML have got to make a decision. And they've really got to say, look, the new boys on the block, have got to be given a chance. They've got to be coached better than they are as referees. I'd reintroduce assessors into the stadiums to give them verbal and, you know, verbal support post-match to review the decisions and offer verbal advice rather than actually having this system that's operating at the moment where it's too remote. They still have match delegates, but, you know, it's that personal touch between an ex-referee and an existing referee that, that can actually get over messages that are more mm. meaningful than an ex-manager or an ex-player. But, you know, that, that was a change that Mike Riley made, and I think I think that was a wrong one. Yeah, and, and just in terms of Mike Dean, he's done 19 games in the Premier League this year. The four new referees in select group one, that's Jarrett Gillett, John Brooks, Michael Salisbury and Tony Harrington, have done 12 games between them. This season in the Premier League. So in terms of 
succession planning. Jarek Gillett has done half of those, by the way. Tony Harrington's had one Premier League game so far. Yeah. It's it's not great preparation for guys who are essentially going to be thrown in a little bit more at the deep end at the start of next season, particularly if there are more top referees that decide, actually, you know what, this is that's it for me. You know, when you actually look at um, how a referee operates and you look at the psychology uh, and you look at games like, like any player, uh, you know, you've got championship teams coming up into the Premier League and then they've got to find a feet. It takes a bit of time. The pace of the game usually catches them out and the skill catches them out. And I think that, in a way, it's the same for referee. You know, it's a tiered structure within England and there's challenges at every tier. You overcome those challenges and the way you overcome them is the more games you referee, the better you become, hopefully. And And I think that, I think these guys have come in, they've got the badge, they've obviously got the salary and all that goes with it. They must be very, very frustrated that they've not been used more. Now, have they got the confidence as they would in my day? I'll tell you this. On a Monday after I'd announced the appointments, I'd probably have two or three wanting to speak to me. Why am I not out next week? Why, you know, for whatever reason? Am I off form? No. You know, we probably had out of 18 referees, 16, 18 referees. We had 10 that were absolutely, in my opinion, world-class, delivering top-class performances. And I used to say to them, look, you've got to knock them off the perch. And the only way you're going to do that is perform more. Now, what the three, Jared Gillett and the other two, they've basically been doing either VAR roles, fourth official roles, or actually championship matches. But... Not, not, not enough at Premier League. You've, you've really got to get a run of games in, 10, 15 games in a season to establish yourself as a, as a Premier referee, to be noticed, if you like, by the players, to suddenly go, hey, we've won them back. Because when they step on that field as a new boy, believe me, the team's noise the new boy. The, the managers are already aware of that. Coaches and staff are already aware of that. And they're telling the players get into the face of this referee. This is third or fourth game. So Mike Dean says goodbye to the Premier League at the end of the season. Still a few more games for him to uh, officiate between now and then. And I wonder what he'll make of the next 50-50 challenge he sees. Uh, Thursday night, there's controversy at Goodison Park. We'll come on to that in a minute. Friday night, though, Wolves-Leeds, which was just a wonderful game. But a huge turning point in it as well, which is when the Wolves forward Jimenez goes into a challenge on the Leeds United keeper Melier. Melier gets the ball first. Jimenez not far behind. He gets a booking, which turns out to be a second yellow for the challenge. And there's been lots of commentary afterwards as to whether that was the right decision or not, Keith. What did you make of it when you saw it? A wrong decision. 100% wrong. You know, football's a contact sport. You look at that incident, and for me, both players have made a genuine attempt to play the goal, uh, the, the ball. I don't think they've had eyes to commit an offence, either of them. The goalkeeper's well out. It's an injury that's occurred. I wondered, I wonder how much two things influenced the referee. Did he get, a, did he get a, a really heavy flag from his assistant close by? Was he overreacting because of the injury to the goalkeeper that had to, had to go off? Mm-hmm. Um, he got it wrong, and and these are the types of errors you don't want referees at this level to get wrong. Interestingly, and and uh, this is a point that I made at the time, but I think clearly you're going to disagree with me on this one. 
if you go into a challenge and you don't win the ball and the opponent ends up getting injured, can you really expect to get away with not getting a yellow card? Yeah, because the 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 formation of a challenge is you determine, first of all, is it careless, is it reckless, and is it excessive force? Now, it's not endangered. Although a player's gone off, that challenge, you can start having a debate about endangering the safety of an opponent. But for me, there was no malice in that challenge. He didn't go for the player. He went for the ball. And he, he wasn't trying to, neither was trying to use the ball as a shield against that challenge. It was a coming together. And, you know, contact, This football is a contact sport. And the question you might ask is, what's the goalkeeper doing there? Was the goalkeeper guilty of coming in in a manner that was dangerous, which was reckless? And my, my view is that as referees, you have to make those judgment calls. So I think this was a clear case where both players had made a genuine attempt to play the ball. That's the point, mm. with no malice. Do you think this sort of card will impact players in the future as well? That they might be told by coaches and managers, look, unless you're sure, don't go in for the 50-50. Because I think as fans, when we're watching the game, we all want to see those full throttle challenges in a, you know, that are done safely and that are not reckless or indeed endangering an opponent. But we like to see that passion in the game. So if those challenges go, is that an element of the entertainment of the sport that then goes with it? I think that when you actually look at, and it's a great point, um, when you actually look at um, football, when a player receives a yellow card, it's called a caution. It's a warning. I think all too often in the game, it has little impact. It's amazing how it changes in Europe because you know in, in, in the English game, you can get five yellow cards before a suspension. In Europe, it can be three and you're suspended. So the value of the yellow card in the English game is devalued compared to Europe. I've had that discussion on many occasions. I think when a player receives a yellow card, that ought to be a signal to the manager of the team, do I keep that player on and run the risk of him getting a second yellow? And if that, if you're saying to me that yellow card might change the approach of that player, I think it used to. In the, in, the, in the 70s, 80s, I think we had that, late 70s. Um, I don't think it does anymore. I think that I think they just continue to play in the way that they're, they're play, they play. Mm. And if they get a second yellow, they know they're going. Uh, but I think managers could avoid some of their players getting a second yellow. And, of course, the other side of it is that we get, we get weaker refereeing. And by that, I mean, on occasions, you will see a red card offence where a player's already received a yellow. And rather than the red card being shown, he's shown a second yellow. And the reason behind that is the referee knows that, that, that there's no appeal on a yellow. So for me, this is why I've always been against that, that process by the FA uh, that says you cannot appeal a yellow card. And I think that if they put a line and say, well, okay, it's a second yellow, you can appeal that. Which one do you appeal? Has been the argument put to me. And I'm saying, well, examine both. 
and determine if both have value. If they have value and the red card's correct, okay, stick with the decision. But if one of them's suspect, then you wipe out the suspension. Speaking of players thinking twice about challenges, I wonder whether Alan of uh, Everton might think twice about the challenge that he made against Newcastle on Thursday night. It was originally a yellow, upgraded after a look at the VAR screen. Um, Stuart Atwell, who was the VAR as well for the uh, Sanchez-Diaz challenge the previous weekend and didn't come in for that one, did advise uh, that a red card was needed on this occasion. And this is one of those challenges which we actually discussed a bit earlier in the season, you know, the sort of taking one for the team, stopping a promising counter-attack. But obviously, this challenge happened within the Newcastle half. So there's a lot yes. of work to be done before yeah. you know, something was, you could you say, denying a goal-scoring opportunity, because yeah. clearly yeah. at that point it wasn't. Yeah. But maybe the, the actual challenge itself was more, well, about the challenge and the way that it was made rather than it being particularly cynical and, and that, that side of things. I mean, talk me through your thought process on, on this 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 red card key. The thing that worries me about how VAR operates, and I've mentioned this before in England, I think Atwell was right to bring that to the attention of the referee. But what I want is I want referees looking at incidents like that and having, if you like, the power and authority, which is part of the laws of the game, to say, thank you, Mr. VAR, um, I'm staying with my decision. But I think we've got an automatic scenario in in the English Premier League where if a referee is going to the screen, he's already capitulated and changed his his mind on the decision. He's actually saying, VAR's brought me in. I'm just looking at the screen just to satisfy all those onlookers and everything else. Uh, And to perhaps strengthen decision, I go in, I give a red. You know, I look at it and, and I think to myself, at what point does the VAR interfere, overly interfere, with the referee's judgment mm. and the reading of the game? The outcome might have been might be right and you can't question it in the end, but I don't want VAR's operators to be overindulgent. Well, this was the original plan, wasn't it? That the, the the mantra was, "We're not going to have VARs re-refereeing the game." Yeah, was the way that it was kind of sold. Yeah, well, we are, and we have seen on numerous occasions um, VAR refereeing the game, and referees. In my opinion, I, I can only deem that they've been advised that if they go to the screen, they go with the VAR. It's it's a, you know. It's become such a big thing now that if anyone was to do anything different, that would somehow now be a huge event, which, I mean, it shouldn't be. No. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, what you're trying to do here is, I think that's the red card, VAR. I think it's a clear and obvious error to me, based on my experience. But I'm going to bring the referee across and have a look. And the referee then ought to have the authority and and support to say i've had a look at it you know i i look at how they look at the screen and they're glancing mike you know i i review as you know um, decisions at the weekend and sometimes i've got the added advantage because i can look two or three times 
before even I make a judgment on, on one or two of them. So I know it's difficult for the match referee, but I know it's difficult for the VAR. But, you know, you come across and say, look, um, they do this in the MLS. They do this in other countries. They see the VAR as being a support mechanism. Mm. But what we're doing is we're actually handing over the authority of the referee, in my opinion, to the VAR operator, which is not how UEFA want VAR to operate. We should hand out some praise from the weekend. Um, I, I would like to nominate Craig Pawson for his uh, decision very late on in the FA Cup tie between Nottingham Forest and Liverpool. Uh, this is Ryan Yates uh, racing into the box, getting a touch ahead of the goalkeeper and then going down under the uh, challenge of Allison. Uh, but in fact, on what on first look to me, uh, watching on the TV looked like a nailed on penalty actually wasn't because from what I could tell Yates has done the classic thing of a forward straightening the leg, waiting for the contact from the goalkeeper and then going down. So manufacturing the contact, uh, contact yes. essentially what appeared to be going on there. And well, Craig Pawson in real time has done brilliantly to spot that. I thought, I think the first thing was that he was in a good position and and he was he got a great open view of what had taken place. He wasn't uh, covered by players, a restricted view. So that, in the first thing, is the good bit of refereeing. Uh, looking at his decision-making process, it looked a bit like he's waiting. I think there was a period when he did absolutely nothing. I think he might even have put his finger to his ear before he even pointed for it for any any form of decision. So I think that there might have been a degree of indecision in fairness looking at it and being very critical. However, uh, when we look at that offence and we look at the replays, the player, Yates, has manufactured it. And that's the right terminology. He's dragged his foot and his foot's gone to the goalkeeper's glove. The glove's not moved backwards, neither has it moved towards the foot. And you look very closely and go, wow, that's a top-class decision. And and I think this was one of the better games. Uh, I think the players were showing Craig a lot of respect. Nottingham Forest had see, clearly uh, had decided, cracky, we've got a Premier League referee here. Um, and they seemed to have confidence in what, uh, what, what Craig was doing. No question it was one of his better games, for sure. And I just wonder now whether, in fact, he might get a sniff at the... Um, the cup final. Well, it'll be interesting to see. We yeah. won't find out until after the semi-finals, presumably, unless unless something changes. Well, I mean, if if it if it's a Sheffield referee, um, he's okay. They can appoint him today. <laughs> <laughs> We're nowhere near it, are we? Uh, in fairness, you could probably do that most years with Sheffield referees, um, but that's uh, that's by the by. Um, so, we had some really interesting and quite weird situations in uh, in football this weekend. And it comes on to a discussion that I know that you've wanted to have for several weeks, Keith, around playing time and yeah. the amount that fans actually get to see in terms of the football on the pitch. So this weekend we had um, some extenuating circumstances as well uh, in the in the game on Thursday night at Goodison Park. There was a, a protest that came on and, and managed to tie himself to the goalpost. That obviously delayed the game quite significantly. Yeah. In Scotland at the weekend, there was toilet roll and tennis balls being thrown on uh, at Dundee when they were taking on Rangers. Uh, again, 
if you want to see some stewards looking less than enthusiastic about removing all that debris from the penalty area, then that's worth a watch. However, what we're not watching while all that was happening is actual football. Mm. And I think you, you're right. And say, is it 57 minutes is the average amount of playing time that we're, we're seeing right now? Yeah, that's in the Premier League. And that's, that's not produced by me. That's an independent report. And I think that we have to be concerned that when we actually look at the fans and what they pay to watch, then I think they have every right to demand more time. So apart from those incidents that you mentioned, which consume a lot of time, uh, I think there's, there's, there's several things. I look at time consuming, which is within the laws, and time wasting, which is not. And sometimes law changes, a simple one, if the goalkeeper can take it from either side of the goal area. When that first came in, I thought, that's a good idea. That's going to reduce time. But now it actually is a contributor to losing time because it gives the goalkeeper the opportunity to have a longer walk before he places the ball. Mm. We had the injury scenario where FIFA in the mid-80s were quite clear that no, no, no player would be treated on the field of play. Now, obviously, with with the likes of uh, Christian Eriksen, Peter Cech, there are major um, concerns when, if you like, a player does sustain a serious injury, injury. So in that situation, just stop the clock. I then get a, a worry about that aspect. I saw this weekend a player who was lying prostate, half on the pitch, half on it. Um, across the touchline being treated and an excuse for everybody else to have a drink. And I'm thinking to myself, just a minute, are, is the referee going to have sufficient time? And why can't this player be moved about a yard and a half mm. to be treated? So I think we just, I'm raising the issue because ultimately at the end of the day, I think fans have uh, a requirement that is value for money. And that, you know, there's other areas where I see referees getting involved in slowing the thing down when, in fact, they themselves are consuming time. That, 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 you know, how many times do you talk to the same player? Is it is it a real concern that it's an inch away from where it, the incident occurred? There's got to be some degree of it's all right there. Does, it, does every 10 yards, 9.15 metres, have to be marched out? Does it have to be marched out in midfield? And I'm and I'm seeing in certain areas where referees don't appear to have the watchers stopping and starting, and then somebody says to me, well, they've obviously seconded that responsibility to the fourth official, have they? And do they add sufficient time? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I, I, so my view is, I'm, I've got a simplistic view, and I think is take the timing off the match officials completely and uh, produce uh, an independent timekeeper. We see that in other sports. Yeah, and I, I, I'm totally behind you on this one. It, it's something we've 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 discussed before in terms of independent timekeeping being something that's just one less thing for the referee to think about, and and something that we I think would be more accurate. But I'm just wondering how much time we're losing compared to say 20, 30 years ago. In my head, I have memories of Sky in the early days of Sky Sports producing graphics, which used to say the ball was in play for 60, 61, 62 minutes of a game. Now I've no idea if that was the average, but if it was 61, 62 minutes, we're losing 
four or five minutes more football now than we were 20 yes. years ago. Yeah, and I think that might have been it. I think it is, it's a reducing amount of time. Tactics come into play where teams, obviously, if you're at the, I've mentioned this before, if you're towards the bottom of the league struggling and you're suddenly playing Liverpool, Arsenal, Man United, and Man City at the top, then ideally, what you you don't want to you don't want to play fifty seven minutes, do you? You you know the old tactic is waste time, guys. Do it without getting cautioned. Uh, what does that mean? Well, just test the referee. Walk down the touchline with the ball. Continue walking. Continue walking. It says stop there. You've gained yardage, and you can now throw the ball. You've gained time. So I think in in the elements of of timing a game, referees have to become more proactive. Prevention is better than a cure. The ball is there. You will get back. You don't have to march out every 9.05. Throwing is taken from the right place. Be proactive. Uh, subs is the classic one as well. That, that, that walk that is, or that jog that is somehow slower than a walk when players yeah. are doing that. I mean, at that point, when you've got a player that is essentially leaving the field of play, um, it seems like it's difficult to maybe hand out a yellow card in that situation, particularly if it might become a second yellow and all of a sudden yeah. the substitution can't be made. But, you know, it, it, that would seem like an extreme reaction to uh, what is essentially time-wasting. But yeah. is that is that too much? No, I think that, you know, it, it's quite clear in the laws of the game uh, that if a substitution is taking place, the player's not injured, the substitution is taking place, it goes off the field of play at the nearest point. How, how, how often do we see that now? I mean, what we do is we see, knowing that time-consuming, Mike, we see the player that's going to be substitute, given the wave, he knows he's going to be substituted, and what does he do? He goes to the far side of the pitch. So he's got a longer walk than norm. And, and, and these things, these tactical things, there's a lack of awareness, but who's been cheated the most? And that's the, the fan. Well, if you've got any ideas as to how <laughs> time wasting can be reduced i'd love to hear them hello at seenthemgiven.co.uk is where you can find us on email you can also find us on twitter at scene underscore them uh, underscore uh, given uh, also you can get involved in the dms as well which are, are open there uh, i've had some interesting debates this week uh, shout out to Chris, uh, one of our listeners who uh, has been uh, back and forth with me a few times and it was good to talk to you Chris and, and uh, keep listening uh, thank you very much as always uh, for listening to the show uh, we yeah. will be back next week with more to discuss uh, more things to put the world to rights Keith, but as yeah. always, thank you for your insights, thank you for your time and we will see you next time